With you, it's another edition of the Degenerate Hawkeyes podcast. Trent and Biz, after boy, Biz, it's been a long time away. You ready to talk some Hawks? Yeah, it's uh, been almost a month, I think. And uh, as we talk about, there's rarely does a, a week go by, much less a month, without uh, some interesting Hawkeye news. And uh, the return of Oliver Martin ensures that we've got uh, plenty to talk about in the middle of the summer, Trent. Always a good thing. Certainly uh, plenty to get into. The transfers at the forefront of things. Where do you want to start today? You want to start with football? You want to start with basketball? Where do you want to go? Well, we've got uh, basketball transfers to talk about. We've got football transfers to talk about. Uh, I put Statboy on the job for both. So he, he is fully prepared to uh, take a deep dive into transfers in both sports. So, uh you pick, and we'll uh, we'll go from there. Let's go with football first. And Oliver Martin, I, I think the most noteworthy and, and getting the most certainly uh, notoriety and the most talk, I'm sure, across the state at this point in time and across University of Iowa athletics. You know, it's it's interesting hearing some different perspectives about this and the decision. What's going to go into it? Is he going to get a waiver and able to play? Certainly, a lot of different angles here. But at the forefront, Biz. I mean, you. You live now in the Iowa City area. You you made the decision after law school that you're going to stick around the area. It's it's different. I, I remember a couple of my friends from Iowa that lived in Iowa City, and some of their friends that would come back and meet them at different times. And people sometimes just want to spread their wings. They just want to get away for a little while. And and you can understand that even if you love the University of Iowa. So that's angle number one. I, I know there's. People out there, I don't know how significant a number, but it is a, a vocal minority that is out there that is, well, we don't want him back. He he, he could have come to Iowa the first time he didn't. That's short-sighted thinking. just doesn't make a lick of sense. Well, and I always, that vocal minority, it always annoys the hell out of me because I feel like it's literally 1% of the fan base but unfortunately, like you said, that, that 1% is the vocal percent because it's, and this is actually part of a business beat at the end of day two trend. So we'll start and finish with this rant, but uh, it, it reminds me back in the days when they had like the letters to the editor, when uh, you'd, yeah. you'd get uh, a couple crazy people uh, writing into a paper and uh, you just kind of laugh them off and, and nobody responded to them. And uh, unfortunately with Twitter, uh, those crazy people now have a, uh, a much quicker platform to uh, spout off their stupid statements. And for whatever reason, people feel like they need to uh, give those uh, ass nine comments, uh, you know, their due instead of just ignoring them. So not one single person that I've talked to has in any way mentioned or complained that Oliver Martin is coming back or has had a grudge against Oliver Martin or, or thinks that he should have, uh, not come back because of his decision a couple of years ago. And to me, those are just, like you said, they're, they're the vocal minority, but unfortunately they're the uh, sometimes the ones you get heard. So uh, I don't know a single person that feels that way, but uh, with Twitter, unfortunately, uh, those buffoons get heard more than the, uh, the 99% of Hawk fans that are reasonable and excited for him to uh, – hopefully help out the team and hopefully help it out uh, sooner rather than later. And to that point, you know, you, you talk about how many of those people are out there, how many of those people that don't want to welcome Oliver Martin back. I saw this poll on Facebook at Hawkeye Heaven. Are you happy Oliver Martin is a Hawkeye? 97% of the people that voted said yes. So that 3%, they drive narratives and what I do in sports talk radio and, and on message boards that – it's just a absolute fraction of crazies that are there that have these opinions, but it, it seems to be bigger than it actually is. And I think the same could be said on Twitter, if you're somebody that's into Twitter. Whatever it may be, remember, 97% of the people, at least according to this poll, are happy Oliver Martin is a Hawkeye. Let's not give too much credence to those 3%. Well, and that 3% also accounts for you know Iowa State fans that are just voting yes. to be a contrarian. Right. It, uh, it also accounts for uh, 
you know, you and I have young kids. Uh, occasionally, uh, my, my our young kids like to uh, bang on the keyboard. You might, you know, you might be literally talking about a, a child voting in these things. And you know, it's not like to get a Twitter account, you have to uh, fill out an application and you have to apply as an Iowa fan. So I never understand why people assume that these half these people are even Iowa fans. I mean, yeah. you can make a a moronic comment and talk about Oliver Martin and not wanting him here. And you don't have to even be an Iowa fan. And for whatever reason, people instantly uh, pretend that that, that person uh, matters. And I just don't get it. It baffles me why, you know, clearly the poll shows 3%. But like I said, I, I'm guessing if you uh, talk to 100 actual normal, reasonable, logical Iowa fans, not a single one of them would uh, even uh, consider the fact that they don't want him back here. Few and far between. All right, Biz, with that... Oliver Martin, this was a four-star player, went to the camp circuit before his senior year, blew up, ran a great 40 time, was doing everything that you possibly can do. He didn't get an offer right away, though, from Iowa. An Iowa City kid went to Iowa City West that didn't get an offer right away. I know a couple of Big Ten teams, want to say Indiana, maybe Purdue, had already offered him. Iowa, I think, was the fifth Big Ten school to finally offer him. And then even more came. Then it was the Notre Dames of the world and the Michigans and Michigan State and Ohio State that came calling his name too. So that also I, I think is difficult maybe for some people to wrap their mind around. It's, oh, this kid said he grew up a Hawkeye fan. How could you say no? They slow played him. They they absolutely slow played him. Bobby Kennedy, who was a wide receiver coach at the time, thought he was going to probably bring in some five-star wide receiver from Texas. Alas, of course, that didn't happen. But they... Iowa didn't play this correctly going back to his recruitment either. And I can understand going back to that time why there's a real possibility that there were some hurt feelings in the in the Martin camp. Yeah, that's possible. I don't really view that as the reason he wasn't here. I mean, to me, it's as simple as uh, our wide receiver core was an absolute mess at that point. I mean, we, were, uh, we had hit rock bottom when it came to being a, uh, a passing offense. You know, that... that we we talked about it a couple of years ago. I mean, we at that point when we were recruiting him, what was it? Three out of the four games before that, we had thrown for eighty yards yeah. or less. Uh, and you know, I, I give a lot of credit to, to Kelton Copeland and to the coaching staff in general for fixing things over the last two years. Because are, are we a uh, a fine tuned machine at the wide receiver core? Absolutely not. But you look at the last two years. You've got Nicky Easley back to back of more than fifty yard or fifty receptions both years. You've got two up-and-coming receivers in the uh, the Smith brothers, uh, and you've got uh, and yes, I know they're not brothers, but uh, <laughs> um, you know, things have just turned around. I mean, we're we're just clearly a better, and I think we're just a little more of a dynamic offense. I know mm-hmm. that it's uh, it's fashionable for people to rip on us as having a uh, a dull and boring offense, but that that's a to me it's an old narrative. Since Ferentz got here, Brian Ferentz. You know, and since he became the offensive coordinator, I think he's shown a willingness to uh, try to try to play to your team's strengths. And I think that's something that will. That I think probably uh, Oliver Martin looked at it and said, "Hey, this team's you know turned it around a little bit in the passing game the last two years." And I think he's just a smart kid. And to be honest with you, if I was in this situation two years ago, I probably wouldn't have came to Iowa either. Yeah. So. But things have improved, and like I said, give Kelton Copeland credit, give Brian Ferentz credit, because I think they've made it a more, you know, just a more desirable place to be for a, a skill position player. And again, Oliver Martin may end up being a complete uh, mediocre player for all we know, but to me, this is an absolutely huge development, just because the one thing this coaching staff has, has unfortunately not been able to do is crack that barrier with getting a wide receiver into the NFL and getting, you know, just a a big play wide receiver into the system because we've gotten much better at uh, depth on the D-line recently. We've obviously shown that we are, you know, we're tight end U, D-backs we put in the in NFL regularly. Both lines have had people in there. Even linebackers have had some, you know, pretty steady success. But, uh, you know, it's one of the most amazing stats you'll see. There's not, not a single player that Kirk Ferentz has recruited has ever caught a uh, – NFL pass. So let's hope three years from now, Albert Martin will break that barrier, and we can uh, we can look back and say he was kind of the uh, the tip of the iceberg for at least getting you know uh, we're we're never going to get uh, five star wide receivers, but at least getting some people that 
you know, can, can be in his four-star mode. They need that, no doubt. But it wasn't just uh, Oliver Martin yesterday that was officially announced at the University of Iowa. They got a couple more wide receivers coming in all of a sudden. Jack Combs and Charlie Jones coming from the MAC, one from Central Michigan, the second from Buffalo. Every little bit helps. Both guys redshirt sophomores, but uh, kind of interesting that you're welcoming in three different players as transfers, all coming in from the same class. Well, when you when you, tr- when you move Devonte Young to the defensive side of the ball, this just shows it takes three people to fill his spot, Trent. So he's a Devont. Devontae Young can do it all. As he's shown, he's a special teams ace. He's going to be a defensive ace, and obviously it takes three wide receivers to fill his uh, his vacancy on offense. But, you know, in the age of uh, social media, very rarely do you get two people to come in without a, uh, a single peep. And I, I didn't hear a single person mention that either one of those two guys was uh, going to become a Hawkeye. So uh, it was kind of a surprise, and I went and looked at uh, – I watched a three-minute video on the highlights of Charlie Jones, and uh, he certainly looks to be in the same mold as the uh, the Nick Easleys and uh, you know Gronowigs of the world. He looks to have some talent, and, and he looks to be a decent uh, decent slot receiver. And no clue on the other guy from Central Michigan, but Charlie Jones, at least, I think he uh, he's got a chance to see some playing time down the road. Good to see. I saw he averaged what uh, twenty-one yards per catch uh, last season. Total almost four hundred yards, three touchdowns. So. Maybe a guy with a little bit of speed. Um, Got to like that part of it, too. Well, but... he, did some return, he did some return work for him, okay. too, I think. Both kick, kick and punt returns. So. Like it. Absolutely like it. It's in good shape there. One final part of this whole thing, and that is the new waiver process in place by the NCAA. We have seen players get waivers for really not a whole lot. Now, we've seen the other side still. There was a kid that just transferred, I think, to Illinois, closest Division One F. BS program to where he grew up. He has a, a sick family member, and he didn't get a waiver because University of Illinois, though it is the closest to his hometown, wasn't within whatever it is, 100 miles, whatever, uh, of being close to his hometown. So he didn't get that waiver because of that, which is ridiculous. But Albert Martin has a case here. They're changing offensive systems. They're going to now a complete spread look, and players in the past have got waivers and a change in offensive system. Normally it's quarterbacks. But it couldn't happen for wide receivers, too. So maybe we'll get to see Oliver Martin up in Ann Arbor playing against his old team coming up in October. We'll either get to see him play this year or we'll get to see uh, Ferentz's head explode, one of the two, because uh, he has not been shy about his uh, anger towards the arbitrary nature of the uh, the waivers in extra years. So I- I'm assuming our coaching staff is going to do everything possible to, to get him in, and they're going to uh, – Point out some of those same things that you just said about uh, they've they've done this in the past with uh, some change of coordinators. So why shouldn't they do it now? But uh, I'm not uh, I'm not holding out hope. I guess uh, I'm not optimistic. You should never be optimistic that the NCAA is going to be a favorable. I don't think. So. Yep. No, I'm I'm right there with you, Biz. Well, do you want to chat uh, the history of Iowa football transfers? Uh, Again, I put Stat Boy on it, and he did football and basketball. The basketball is a much more interesting deep dive, but the football one, uh, you know, we haven't had nearly as much success on the football side when it comes to transfers. So, you want to uh, you want to dig in? Well, as uh, yeah, it's funny because we've been talking about this on my radio show, and every time I come up with a name, it's Andre Woolridge or Jared Utah or whatever. There's not a whole lot of football ones that jump to mind. So I'm glad that Stat Boy has been at work here. Helping us out on the football side. What has he got this week? Well, the interesting thing you mentioned, you know, we've had three guys come from uh, other D1 programs here in the last week or so. From what I can tell, we've only had three of them in basically the last 20 years before this. There was only three people um, that we've had that have come from other uh, major universities, and I think you can probably name all three because they've been uh, pretty recently. Three players from major universities. Uh, 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 major is a loose term, but a, 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 a D1, not, not a, a FBS team, not an FCS team. They're all within the last few years. Really? I'm trying to think of names that I don't really even have anything. I, I, Mark Wiseman came from Air Force. One is, an absolute, one is an absolute legend of this podcast, Trent. 
Oh, <laughs> Rock and Ron Galuzzi. <laughs> exactly. Rock, Rock and Ron, and then you've got a, a running back that came in with some uh, pretty much, pretty good height but didn't really do much. Uh, came in, a little bit of height, didn't do much. The kid from New Mexico that played like a game? No, I didn't count him. Okay. Running back from Nevada, Trent. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. What was his name? James Butler. James Butler. And was that right? On... The new... And then you've got the new punter uh, this year, the Michael Sleep Dalton. And Technically, you are correct on the kid from New Mexico, but he never actually played, so we, we did not count him. But he, but he was listed in Stat Boy's information, but I didn't count him. So, Well, the biggest one that I said, Mark Wiseman, came from Air Force. That's got to count, right? I I don't know if he actually ever played in Air Force either, though. And if he ah. did, Stat Boy did not include him. So that you have caught Stat Boy in the air if he did. But, but I, again, I don't think he actually stepped foot on the field in Air Force. But we'll have to, Stat Boy will have to uh, do some... Uh, supplemental research on that but yeah, that that's pretty much it but then uh, on the juco market that boy found i would say a hundred different juco uh transfers over the last 25 years and uh clear to say we have not had very good luck with juco transfers there's uh some fun names in there to, to remember there's uh, you know epi squared is in there our, our osage legend aaron grandquist um you know you've got uh a variety of different good names over the years, but we, when you look at the top five of uh, community college transfers over the years, it's not exactly a who's 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 who list of a uh, of Iowa greats over the years. The top five that I could look at from what Statboy brought in, you've got uh, two quarterbacks, two wide receivers, and a uh, and a future NFL Hall of Famer. Trent, can you name those five from the JUCOs? Brad Banks. Brad Banks would be one of the quarterbacks, and the other quarterback would be right around that same era. Nate Chandler. Nate Chandler. I had him. I had Banks listed as number one just because, uh, obviously, he's only only really contributed the one year. He mixed it in with McCann the year before, but his year was uh, if if you end up second in the Heisman, you're number one in the list. <laughs> and, and Chandler's on the other side. He's number five. Okay. Uh, two wide receivers. One of them recent. The other one uh, about 15 years ago. C.J. Jones. D.J. Jones, uh, the greatest kick return in Iowa history, and had over 70 catches in two years. And then the other wide receiver, uh, very recently. Recently, Easley? Nick Easley. And then your last of the five, Trent, you've got a, a future NFL Hall of Famer who has quite honestly been better in the NFL than he was at Iowa. Future NFL. Oh, uh, Marshall Yonda. Marshall Yonda, correct. From NIAC, so which no, no longer has a football program in Mason City. Yeah. Yeah, so those are the those are the top five that I could see. There's some other ones that you could argue. Well, Michael Titley from back in the day, Derek uh-huh. Pickens, uh, Mackay Sargent's one that that could jump into that top five. If you believe the hype, Davion Nixon will probably be number one eventually. You know, you've got Demond Powell. Some other, some other names in there that uh, saw some playing time. But again, not exactly a who's who's list. Uh, who's who of transfers over the years. So. Uh, Oliver Martin doesn't need to do a ton to, to jump into that uh, top three or four uh, in all-time Iowa football transfers. Yeah, got you there. Interesting. And uh, yet you would think that that would be a little bit deeper, that there'd be a little bit more to it. But alas, that's not the case. Now, it is a changing market. And as we see more and more, basketball gets a lot of the pub. But this is happening in football, too, where we're going to see more guys there and what is it, adapt or die? And it looks like Kirk Ferentz right now, is he's adapting again. Well, and not to go on an old old man angry rant, but I really hate where things are going in the transfer market. Uh, not quite so much on the football side, but the basketball side is kind of a joke. I mean, it's, it's basically everybody's roster year in and year out right now is, is just completely in flux. I mean, there are very few, very few rosters that you can uh, – Count on being the same the next year. You got, uh, you know, and to me, it's going to end up. They got to fix it eventually, because otherwise, you're going to see, you know, you're not going to see any upsets anymore in the NCAA tournament because every uh, legitimately good player at the uh, mid-major level eventually is going to jump to a, uh, you know, a better school down the road, and it just, it's a problem that needs to be adjusted at some point. And I'm not sure what the answer is, but. Uh, like I said, this is just my my old man angry rant. I don't like it, Trent. Old man angry rant. I like that. All right. Anything more on the football side before I turn our attention over to some basketball? 
I don't think so. I mean, this is the type time of year in football where uh, no news is good news. Just mm-hmm. keep everybody uh, keep everybody out of the police blotter and uh, healthy, and you make it through the summer. Uh, make make it out to the summer upright and uh, go from there. And, and hopefully, the, the next news we'll hear will be uh, Oliver Martin uh, being granted the other another year of eligibility. Which again, I, I don't I don't expect, but it'll be another nice surprise. All right, let's jump to basketball. Some news this week. The Hawkeyes have a new grad transfer. They're dipping into that market for the first time as they welcome in Bakari Evelyn. Yes, it is Evelyn, how you pronounce the last name. At least according to the pronunciation guide from Valpo from a year ago, and I'm going with that. Bakari Evelyn is a Hawkeye guy that was better as a sophomore than he was as a junior. Has had some ankle problems, I think three different uh, surgeries on an ankle throughout his career, but you're hoping this guy can at the very least provide a stopgap and and somebody that's going to be able to help out the two-guard position. Wieskamp can play there. We'll see what C.J. Frederick is, but depth in the backcourt, certainly necessary after what uh, went on this spring for the Hawkeye basketball team. Well, it wasn't exactly a a glowing endorsement of the guy there, Trent. An (laughs) often injured... uh... Chucker. Re- re- an often injured regressing uh, combo guard is what you just described him as. So yeah. That's not ideal, but uh, you know, I guess beggars can't be choosers in June. You, you get what you get. What's out there, and you know, you look at his sophomore year stats. If he can get back to that level, then then obviously he can uh, he can contribute. But uh, can't say I'm overly optimistic that he's going to come in and be a, be a star either. But but I guess I don't necessarily need him to be a star either. We just need him. Hopefully, the one thing you don't. Uh, you don't hear much about one of the others. Can you play defense? Because if if he can play defense, uh, then he should be able to get some minutes. Because uh, as we've talked about uh, at length in the past, uh, we badly need people that can stop the ball. Some of uh, the people that I, I talked to that covered him in the Valley said, nice kid, uh, can be a little pouty at times, though. And I said, ooh, I, I don't know how well that will mesh with Fran McCaffrey. Can, can be a little pouty. That's a... It sounds like my kids. So, any time the first description they get is "nice kid," that's usually not a great endorsement for you. you know, I'm not sure we're necessarily looking for nice kids. Uh, right. But, uh, you know, I guess we've set the bar low for him, Trent. At this point, maybe he'll uh, he'll exceed our expectations. Which, uh, if you get into the basketball the history of basketball transfers, he has his work cut out for him to get in the top five, and quite frankly, has his work cut out for him to get in the. Uh, in the top 10, because there have been some pretty incredible basketball transfers in Iowa over the years. So we will get to that in a moment. One other piece of this, of course, is the departure of Isaiah Moss. What is your read as he's going to end up now at Kansas? The Jayhawks do need shooting. That is the one spot that you look at their roster that they are light on, and we know Isaiah Moss can fill it up. But uh, interesting, first committing to Arkansas, they recruit a bunch of other guys. Hey, you know what? I'm not going to go to Arkansas now. Now he's going to be at Kansas, provided that he finishes up his classwork here this summer at the University of Iowa. Biz, uh, take away from Isaiah Moss. Uh, my read on this is that Isaiah Moss doesn't know what the hell he wants, Trent, because my understanding of the reason he left Iowa is because he wanted to be more of a focal point of an offense and wanted to get more shots and be kind of the, the number one or number two guy. I mean, uh, there's no way in hell he's going to be number one or number two guy at Kansas. So, if he didn't like uh, the amount of shots he was getting at Iowa, he's certainly not going to like the amount of shots he gets at uh, Kansas. Because I-, I assume he's basically going to be told at Kansas, uh, go stand in that corner and we'll kick it out to you occasionally. Because he's certainly not going to be the most athletic guy in Kansas, and he's not going to be the uh, the focal point of the offense. He'll be a uh, NBA spot-up shooter. And he'll do that well. I mean, I-, I think he'll probably put up some fine numbers for him. But uh I don't understand how this is uh, a long-term benefit for for Isaiah Moss. I think he will be a uh, 6-8 point a game scorer for them and occasionally go off for uh, 25 like we've seen on the nights when he goes 7 for 9 for threes. Yeah, Quentin Grimes, he'll be uh, back. But this this is going to be, a, I think, a weird Kansas team too. Of course, a year ago, uh, they for the first time in a decade and a half, they don't win the Big 12 regular season crown. I don't know. I, I don't know what to think. I don't know what he is going to be for them outside of just that, strictly a, a spot-up shooter and, and what the role is going to be, too. This is going to be interesting to watch. Well, I think both of us hope, though, he goes off and has one of those 28-point performances when they play the Cyclones this year. 
He can have two of those against the Cyclones. Yeah, too. yeah. Do it in Hilton. Do it down there, Rock Chalk Jayhawk, and uh, at the Fog, and that'd be okay. Anything else is just gravy on top of it. That, that's another thing. You know, we were talking earlier about Oliver Martin and that vocal minority. I've seen most everybody wish him well. I'm frustrated as a fan. You get it, thinking, boy, he's not going to get. I think what he wants at Kansas or Arkansas or whatever it may be. But there's a couple of people that are out there saying, oh, I hope I hope he gets hurt. I hope this happens. I hope he never plays, whatever it may be. But it's such a vocal minority again. It's just, I don't know. That, that's that been bothering me here throughout the last week or two. Yeah, you're right. I think the vocal minority on that issue has been kind of drowned out. And I think part of that's because he went to Kansas. I think, I think that vocal minority, their initial uh, comments were that, well, Where's he going to go? Nobody's going to want him. And uh, clearly uh, those people were, were wrong because there was uh, not one but two bidding wars for him, and he ended out at uh, one of the, I guess you'd say, five blue bloods of, of college basketball. So, you know, I guess good for him for being uh, good enough to go to Kansas, but I just don't understand his thought process on, on how he thinks this is going to help his uh, long-term development. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he... Uh, Goes there and is a focal point of the offense, and he gets uh, drafted in the NBA and becomes a, uh, you know, a sharpshooter at the NBA for a decade. I don't see it happening, but uh, it wouldn't be the first time I'm wrong. Well, Biz, let's get into the transfers at the University of Iowa throughout the years. And you said it's going to be very difficult for Bakari Evelyn to get into the top ten or top five of all time. He's only going to have a year to do it, but what stat boy got to work on the basketball side? Well, basketball is kind of the flip, the flip of, of football. In basketball, there's more, the better players actually came from other uh, major colleges, and uh, there's only a few, a few uh, community college guys that panned out over the years. So, we'll, we'll touch base on the community college guys. But my my quiz for you is going to be on the major college uh, transfers trends. So, All right. On the community college side, you've got some really good players, but. Uh, more misses than hits over the years. On the on the hit side, you've got Kevin Gamble, Reggie Evans, Val Barnes, uh, guys like that all came from junior college. But uh, the list of whiffs at the junior college level over the years is pretty extensive. You've got uh, you know, Devin Archie, Jermaine Davis, uh, Dale Jones, uh, Vernon Simmons, Joe Firmino, uh, John Carter, Kurt Spurgeon, uh, Kurt Luby, you know, not exactly a who's who's. Doug Thomas, not exactly a who's who's list of a uh, of community college transfers. But but on the major college transfer uh, list, pretty impressive trend. So uh, I'm going to quiz you on the on the top five. Uh, I'll start by telling you the ones that are outside the top five, so you know who missed. So all right, this is this is kind of six through ten on the list uh, in no particular order. But uh, you've got Ryan Hogan who. Uh, Came from Kentucky with uh, much fanfare and didn't wasn't great, but he was a, a serviceable player for a couple of years. You've got uh, Sir Jamalot, uh, Jerry Wright, who uh, again another guy uh, serviceable. Do you remember where he transferred from, Trent? Was it USC? You are correct, USC. And uh, athletic as all get out and a wonderful nickname, but uh, not a great player. Um, you've got Sam Oakey. Uh, you remember, remember uh, Sam and, and his story? I, I do very well because he was buddies with Aaron Granquist, the aforementioned from up in our neck of the woods. And I told Aaron when he was back in Osage when I was still in high school that it was my dream to meet Sam Oakey. Alas, it never happened. Yeah, Oakey never made his way back to uh, Mitchell County. Yeah, and well, unfortunately, Sam Oakey, uh, more hype than, than actual uh, output. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had injury problems. He only played in seven games, only scored 46 points as a Hawk. So, uh, but I remember being awfully excited for his uh, his arrival, and it never panned out. So, the next two on the list, Trent, uh, you've got the legendary David Palmer. And I put him in there. Do you remember where David Palmer came from? Seton Hall. Seton Hall. Well, well played, Trent. And then you've also got Devin Barwinkle, West a, Virginia. West Virginia. I, the only reason I wanted to put Devin Barwinkle in here, Trent, he may have the most incredible historical stats in Iowa basketball history. Are you ready to break into a deep dive on Devin Bowwinkle? Just what the people want. Give it to us. So Devin Bowwinkle played 1,182 minutes as a Hawkeye. He played in 64 games over two years. In 1,182 minutes, how many two-point shots do you think he took? A dozen. 
Five. Five in 1,182 minutes. How many do you think he made? None. One. He made one <laughs> two-point shot in his two-year career as a Hawkeye. Uh, the next Stat Boy assignment is going to be to find that shot. Yes. We, we've got to find yeah. that YouTube video of Devin Bowlinkle's one made shot. So 1,182 minutes, how many free throws do you think he took in two years? He's a good shooter. At some yeah. point, he's got to be in the game late to get free throws. How many do you think he took? 20. Six. Six. Six free throws. How many do you think he made? Uh, four. Three. Oh, no. 50% free throw shooter. But on the flip side of that, Trent, Devin Bowwinkle took 223 three-pointers. Shot almost 40%. Not, not great, but not uh, bad either. So uh, he was a, uh, a one-trick pony. Devin Bowwinkle, when he was on the court, was there to, to shoot threes and threes only. And, and I really wonder, of the two-point shots, how many of them were just uh, accidental step on the line? Right, yeah. I, mean, uh, I wonder if there was ever an actual legitimate two-point shot taken in his two-year career. Points in the paint, zero in 1,100 minutes. Yeah, Eleven hundred eighty-two minutes. So don't don't round down. That's uh, okay. but that, that, that's the story of Devin Bowlinkle, which I found to be absolutely amazing. But sadly, he did not make the top five. All right, top, I think I think I got the top five. Let me. Can you get all all the top five? And, and I want you to actually get them in order because I think there's a pretty clear order to the top five. Even number five, Trent. Number would be, five, Matt Bullard. That is correct. You're one for one so right. far. Colorado. Bullard's stats, not as good as I thought. Only about 400 points in two years. Um, had some injury problems with the knee and everything, and that, that really affected his, his last year. He didn't do much his senior year with the – played in, I think, only 18 or 19 games and was limited. But uh, still makes number five. Number four on the list, Trent. This is where I think it gets a little trickier. I'm going to go Luke Recker, though. You are correct. Yes, that, that is uh, – when you break down the numbers, it's pretty clear. Um, two years playing – had about between 800 and 900 points, shot 42% from threes, but uh, with his injury problems, he wasn't as well-rounded as the uh, as the other three on the list. And so I think he's pretty clearly number four. So three and number three and number two to me is the biggest debate. So you can you can call one of them and probably argue with me if I'm wrong. But I've got one listed as, as three, and that is Jared Utoff. That is the same one I've got. Right. Jared Utoff at number three. Edged out by the person we'll talk about number two in a minute. But Utah stats, three years, 1,300 points, 600 boards, obviously a phenomenal senior year. But I think he was not quite as good as number two, who is? Adam Haluska. Man, Trent, we are, we've either been doing this way too much or we're just really <laughs> locked in. Because Haluska, three years, about the same amount of points, about the same amount of uh, uh, rebounds as Utah, but... Uh, uh, a few more points, about 1,500, 1,500 points, and he had uh, over 700 assists. Um, so just all around slightly better stats than Utah. And number one, Trent, not only uh, uh, number one in the transfer market, but maybe my number one favorite Hawkeye of all time was? Andre Woolridge. Darn right. So over 1,500 points, over 600 assists, 300 boards, and uh, one big, big 10 MVP award, which I'm giving to him uh, – after the fact, due to the fact that A, he was screwed out of the award, and B, uh, Minnesota cheated to get the award. So uh, we're giving him the award today, Trent. So if he, if he wants to swing by your studio and pick it up, uh, we can we can make something for him. There's no doubt, yeah. Screw Bobby Jackson, those cheating gophers up north. Him and Sam well, Jacobs they and lost, the rest of those They picks. lost their Final Four banner. They should lose their Big uh, Big Ten MVP banner as well. And I would actually be able to put in a claim then for a regular season title. We don't have to go back to 79. We can go to 97 when they finish in a tie for second behind the Cheating Gophers. Well, there we go. Not only a Big Ten MVP, but a Big Ten title, Trent. So we've changed history today. That's what we do. Pretty good list there. Yeah, I don't see Bakari Evelyn making his way into not just the top five, but certainly not even to the top ten. Well, and he's obviously unique because uh, as far as I can tell, he's the only or the first chance forever that we'll have for just one year. Most of these guys, whether it was the JUCO variety or the transfers in, they were all here for two, and most of them were here for three. Um, you know, Utah, Alaska, Woolridge, all those guys were, were three-year guys. And so this is, uh, like you said, it's, it's the new norm, but it's, uh, it's entirely new to the Hawks. It's the first time they're trying it out. All right, Biz, transfers finished up. You got some uh, prediction time. Is that what you're ready for? Well, it's a big week here, Trent. You got uh, – 
the end of the NHL uh, Stanley Cup. You've got the end of the NBA playoffs, and you've got the U.S. Open this weekend for golf. So uh, let's hear your predictions for all three. Let's start with start with the wonderful hockey, since you and I both know so much about that. Well, I, I Blues, do... Blues or Bruins, Trent? I do have an opinion on this. It also deals with the odds. I'm taking the Blues. 3-2, to two, plus 150, you can get them tonight. I'm going to jump aboard on that toss-up, and my partner on my radio show is Canadian, and he loves hockey. And he's felt that the Blues have been the better team in this series. They've been good on the road, so I think it's more of a value play than anything. I'm jumping aboard with the Blues. Well, I hope you're right, because Statboy has become a, uh, a diehard Blues fan over the last couple of years for, for reasons that are unknown to all of us, but he, he likes to... Uh, Text us information about hockey, and none of us even know there's a game on. But uh, for his his purposes only, I'll pick the Blues as well. But I get a bad feeling this is going to be a uh, a bloodbath, Trent. Uh, I'm picking I'm picking the Blues in my heart, but I'll say Bruins uh, win big, like uh, like five to one big. I think this is a uh, could be ugly. So so I'll just hedge my bets and say I'm picking the Blues, but I think the Bruins are really the actual uh, winner. Well, if you do that and you lay the goal in a half, you'd get a pretty price back the other way. Well, what's my price? If I've got a goal and a half, uh, if I've got to lay a goal and a half, what do I get for odds? Let me pull it up here. Let's go to the old online uh, shop. Uh, if you lay it, oh, you get that same, plus 150. All and right, I have well, with put, the Blues to win. Put some of Ella's college fund on that for me, and we'll okay. see how it goes. She is uh, sitting here in the studio right now watching Woody Woodpecker, and uh, she's got a thumbs up when she heard Woody Woodpecker. All right, so (laughs) (laughs) we got our bets in hockey. Let's jump to the NBA next. Game six tomorrow night. I have been awful in this series. I have been heavily invested on the Warriors really throughout this playoffs. I got them, I think, before, right at the end, right right as Durant, Durant went down before game six of the Houston series. I got them basically even money to win the NBA title. I've kept adding to it throughout. And here we sit, and I got a lot of capital invested in Golden State. Time to hedge and at least cut down some of those losses, Bish. I just grabbed Toronto. You can get them plus 115 to one, win game six. No, I, I think I think you double down on it, Trent. I, I think the Raptors missed their window of opportunity. This, is, this series is... Uh, like the Bruins series, uh, it's not going to end well for uh, the Raptors. Uh, they had their chance. You're, you're up six and have the ball with two and a half minutes to go. you, you got to put the champs away. Trent. And, and they failed to do so, and there's a variety of reasons why they failed to do so, including a, a bizarre choice to uh, call timeout rather than just tell, uh, tell Kawhi Leonard, keep doing what you're doing. But uh, they had their opportunity, and I think their window is uh, closing. I don't think there's any chance they win game six. I think the Warriors come out and play great at home. Um, and then I think you see a, a classic case of uh, puckering uh, in Game 7. So stick with it, Trent. Not, not only do I think you should uh, stick with your investment, but double down, Trent. Double down. All right. I will not be doing that. I will tell you that much. If you would like to jump on Biz, though, and go, bet on Golden State to win the series, they are now plus 215 uh, at an online shop is where you can find them. So if you believe like Biz that Golden State's going to win these next two. Now, would it make sense to do that? or to just parlay Golden State minus 135 here, probably about even money in Game 7. What what would give you the biggest profit? You got your calculator out? I, I think it's plus 215 sounds like the way to go, Trent. If you want Ella to end up going to a private college, this is this is your chance right here. Uh, she will not be going to a private college. I, I think we both know that. Oh, as a mom, with the, as a teacher, and a dad as a radio guy, it is public school all the way for that youngster. All right, plus two fifteen. No, no. Woody, Wood, Woody Woodpecker is not exactly an educational program either, so she's not exactly. Uh, she's not Stanford uh, material. No, she, she's not. She's not exactly learning. Uh, you're, you're not exactly teaching her a second a second language by watching videos. There, Trent. No, not not my best work today, but that's all right. She'll she'll persevere and she'll battle through having a moron as a dad like she does uh, here today. All right, Biz. So we got those two. What else, are you uh, predictions wise? Hockey finishing, basketball just about done. What else? U.S. Open? Well, you you got you opinions? Got, well, I, I, yeah, I, I think uh, it amazes me that uh, Brooks Kepka. The odds you can still get on Brooks Kepka to win uh, to win majors right now. Uh, I know it's a great story that Tiger won the Masters, but what Brooks Kepka has done over the last 
24 months has only happened like twice ever in, in golf history and uh, he gets no credit for it so uh and you still can get him at uh, relatively decent odds so uh whatever you can get him at today Trent bet, bet big on Brooks Kepka as well so if you, if you bet uh Bruins uh minus one and a half uh and uh so your your three team parlay is Bruins minus one and a half, the Warriors at plus two fifteen, and Kepka whatever you can get him at. Trent. I see him at nine to one. Yeah, you put that together. That's nine to one. I just don't get that. Like, can you imagine back in the day when Tiger was uh, you know, winning two three majors a year? I mean, you couldn't get him at three to one. I just don't understand why nine to one odds for for Kepka. You, uh, there's there's your three team parlay, Trent. All right, Bruins minus one and a half plus one fifty. And if, and, if any, and if anybody actually plays that parlay and wins, I expect at least like a a five percent cut, please. Well, if you uh, if you bet a hundred bucks on that parlay, it will return seven thousand seven hundred and seventy five dollars. And there's uh, one week of your private college trip. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, uh, I'm going to look a little deeper here. I got to get it done quickly though before uh, before we get started tonight with game seven. Not a bad look, not a bad look. And a small investment paying a big price. We know what happens. You don't get anything out of it. All right, Biz. Well, cho- just chop a dollar or chop a zero off the end and make it, make it a $10 investment, Trent. All right. We want a cool, cool 770. That's, a, that's well, well worth the risk. I think, uh, I think I'm there with you. All right. We'll, we'll jump aboard together. We'll, we'll split this one, five each. Yes. Uh, if, uh, I'll pay you after I see how it goes. Okay, that sounds great. Sounds great. All right, we have invested now. Brooks Kepka at nine to one, Golden State to win the series of plus two fifteen, and the Bruins to lay the one and a half in the puck line this evening plus one fifty. Ten bucks to win seven hundred seven seven hundred seventy five dollars and fifty cents. Not too bad. All right, Biz. Ho- hey, ho- hockey, NBA, and. Uh... Golf. Those are three sports I've probably not won seven hundred seventy-five dollars in my life on. So uh, again, this is for 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 you know informational purposes only. Right. Trent. Right. Yes. Yeah. At, at least for the next what sixty days. Right. We're not touts yet. Yeah. Soon we've enough. got sixty. We've got sixty days to fine tune our uh, our expertise. Yes. All right. Uh, I do have another one for the U.S. Open. Speaking of odds that don't make a whole lot of sense, obviously what you said, Kepka still at nine to one is crazy. But uh, Francesco Malinari, he's been winning majors. He's been right there in majors. He's 40-1. to 1. I, I've heard maybe not the best golf course for him, but when he gets in that robotic trance where seemingly nothing outside of a limit, the Masters can slow him down. At 40-1, to 1, I, I think that's at least worth a little taste, isn't it? Uh, I, think, I think Tiger officially broke him in, okay. in the, uh, the Masters trend. His, uh, he was impressive for whatever... You know, six nine months, six nine months there, but you could actually see uh, see the will get sucked out of him in the back nine at the Masters. So uh, forty to one does seem uh, does seem a little too uh, too high for him, but uh, I, I'm not sold on him bouncing back after watching him uh, in a couple shots. It looked like you and I hitting. Uh, in, you know, when you just deposit into the water on twelve. As badly as he did at uh, the Masters, I'm not sure he bounced back from that real quick. And a update here on our first ever official wager placed uh, during the Degenerate Hawkeyes podcast. Oh God, you made the official wager. Oh yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's it's happened. The Bruins, uh, right as it was doing it, the line adjusted on the puck line minus one and a half, up to plus one fifty five. Now we are up to win seven hundred ninety three dollars and twenty five cents. Wow, that's a uh... Maybe, maybe we should wait an hour, hour or two. It's going in the right direction. Trent. All right, slow it out, slow it out here. Before we get out of here, some college football numbers have continued to come out. Uh, week one, week zero games with Florida and Miami playing in that first week. And there are now official line out for the Iowa-Miami of Ohio matchup. It's right at three touchdowns, 21 or 21 and a half, depending on where you are shopping. Biz, if I put to you right now, you lay in the money with the Hawks. You lay in the twenty-one and a half. Or are you grabbing the Red Hawks and three touchdowns? I, I think I reluctantly go with the Hawks. Twenty-one and a half seems a little high to me, but uh, the Hawks have actually, in the last few years, they kind of turned it around in opening games. They've put on some pretty impressive performances and openers. And uh, the days of us kind of uh, stumbling into the first game, I think, are gone. And uh, for all, for everything I've seen, Miami Ohio is not a good football team. So. Uh, 
I wouldn't go out and uh, bet the farm on it, but if, if you had to uh, force me to bet one way or the other, I'd, I'd take the Hawks. Definitely at, definitely at minus 21. Anything above that, I think I would just uh, stay away from in general. All right, there are props out right now. Will each of the teams, uh, well, many of the teams, make the college football playoff? You, you have teams like Alabama, will they make it? Yes, is minus 270. But of the 20 or so teams this offshore place has listed, Nebraska, 5-1 to one to make it. Don't you just bet the no there? I, I know they're going to hold on to your money for a long time there. There's no way Nebraska's making the college football playoff, is there? Did you say five to one to make it? Yes, they are. I think they're like the fifteenth best odds to win the national title this year. The Nebraska Red; those people are going crazy out there. But five to one's absurd. Yes. I mean, that's yes, I know. You know. Those are the type of lines that are usually reserved for like Ohio State and, and you know teams that make it regularly. I mean, I don't understand. I mean, we were not a good running team last year, and for three quarters. We ran all over them, and I don't see them instantly fixing that run defense. I mean, uh, uh, I, I, I think obviously down the road Scott Frost is uh, a concern for us, but uh, uh, I don't see them being better than a. And to me, nine and three would be an absolutely phenomenal year for Scott Frost. And nine and three is not going to get you anywhere near the uh, college football playoffs. So, yeah, if, if you can bet the. Uh, the do not make it line on that. Uh, that's one I would I would uh, I would happily mortgage my house on that. They are not going. Rarely can I say anything with one hundred percent confidence, Trent. But you can put it in the bank. They are not going to the uh, the final four. Can't envision any kind of scenario where it happens. Yeah, five to one to make it. Yes, the no on that is minus seven hundred. So you'd have to lay seven hundred just to win a hundred back. Still. It's almost, it feels like free money. Regardless, we'll play around with that a little bit more as we continue going forward here, Biz. Couple more on the college football front. Wanted to get your opinion on. Right now, to win the national title, Alabama still the favorite, plus 225. Clemson right behind them at plus 250. But I have a group of teams, and these are all long shots. These are all big time wagers. But if you had 100 bucks, got to bet it on one of these, who are you going with? Iowa. Well, I'm going to. I'm going to have 793 bucks after uh, this weekend. So, or what, half of that. Half of that. $396.50. You're going to be right there. All right. Iowa at 125 to 1. Mississippi State. So, wait, so wait we're at 125 to 1, and Nebraska is 5 to 1? No, that was to make the playoff. This is to win the national championship. Okay. We're talking win, about. okay. All right. Uh, I got Iowa, check that. They're 150 to 1. Iowa State, 250 to 1. Or a couple of the more likely ones. You can take the Badgers. They are currently, I uh, just lost it here, Wisconsin, 100-1. to 1. And where was the other long shot I wanted to throw out you? And then a couple more medium-range ones. Both Penn State and Texas A&M are 50-1. to 1. Had 100 bucks. You got to bet it on one of these. Anybody at all jump out to you? Of those that you just listed, I'd probably say Texas A&M. I mean, this is this is is this year three or year two for Jimbo? Year two. Year two is all. Maybe not then. But, but we've seen that no, leap I, happen a lot of times in year two for coaches. Well, kind of a year say, early. I, I, I'm a Jimbo Fisher believer, at least until he uh, wears out his welcome. Yeah. I think he'll make Texas A&M uh, better, not worse. But whether they're going to be uh, able to overcome the uh, obstacle of, of, of the of the teams they're going to have to play in the SEC West, I, I doubt it, but the, or East, whatever, whatever one they're in. Um, but of the five that you listed, I think they've got the best chance of the five. I, I don't see I – mean, I, I, I think Iowa State's probably as good as they've been in forever, and I, Iowa's got a chance to be good, but I don't see us, either one of those two teams sniffing anywhere near a uh, Final Four, much less a championship. So, give me Texas A&M of those five by uh, by default, I guess. That's kind of where I was leading out of that middle group. But you know what? In the end, it's going to be stupid. It'll be Clemson or Alabama, and it's not even worth kind of looking at some of these futures. Finally, over unders are out. Iowa State eight, Iowa eight and a half. Certainly, as far as I can remember, this is the biggest line I've ever seen for Iowa State. But the Hawkeyes eight and a half have to make a bet again. We'll we'll play that game again. You got to wager on it right now. Over under nine, eight and a half wins for the Hawks. Sadly, under. Uh, I think uh, eight and a half is probably about the right number. But if you look at our road schedule, uh, and it's a brutal road schedule. And you combine the road schedule with the losses that we had, the guys that left uh, 
for the NFL early. I mean, I, I think if two of those four guys come back, uh, you're looking at a nine or ten win team. But when you lose that many guys off a team that's generally considered to be a quote unquote developmental team, I, I think nine wins would be a, a stretch. So hopefully I'm wrong, but that's my uh, that's my initial gut feeling. All right, Biz. Before we get out of here, time once again for Biz's beat. What do you have? Hey, kids, gather around for Biz's beat of the day. Okay, here's Biz's beat of the day. Well, Biz's beat, like I said, Trent, goes back to what we talked about earlier. Um, it, it's amazing to me how many of your colleagues in the uh, sports journalism or, or reporting industry uh, here in Iowa have incredibly thin skin when it comes to uh, trolls on the Internet. Not a week goes by without uh, one of your colleagues getting into a, uh, a pissing match with some dork that uh, had the audacity to, to question something they said or, or, you know, call out something. Or you know, Obviously, I think there's a big argument about uh, John Boningcamp, unfortunately, losing his job and, and then you know, the dying newspaper industry and, you know, my, my request to you, Trent, is that you've done a good job so far, but continue to to stay above that. Uh, it, it amazes me how many people, like I said earlier, you know, back in the days of letters to the editor, I'm confident they didn't take the time to uh, write back to those crazy people that uh, that, that penned their uh, nutty responses to the paper. So uh, it amazes me how many important people on Twitter respond to just absolutely, uh, for, all they, for all they know, it's a, uh, you know, an eight-year-old writing that tweet, and, and they're just goofing off, and yet they uh, they respond. So uh, stay above the fray, Trent. Continue to be that guy that uh, doesn't engage with uh, the random buffoons on Twitter. So stay away from the crazies. That's, that's my my life my life advice to you for the week, Trent. I like it. I need as much as that as possible. Our life advice: jump on that parlay with us. Bet with your head, not over it, or whatever that stupid thing is. And let's all become rich, or at least get a couple of. Hundred bucks in our account that will seemingly blow over the course of the rest of the summer before we finally get back. Biz, I bet on uh, World Cup women's. I, I have to come clean here. I Did you take the uh, minus twelve. Uh, take the U.S. women in minus twelve and a half. Whatever. It was? No, no. In in fact, uh, I took Thailand plus five. Thought I was in good shape. Not so much. So you've got a problem. Like uh, yeah, I know. You're, the fact that you're admitting on air that you bet on the Thailand women's soccer team. Uh, you got a problem. So, Goes without that's, saying. Uh, yeah, that, 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 that's, that, that can't be good. That, that's kind of like betting on like the uh, Washington Generals against the Globetrotters, Trent. Like, uh, I thought they were due. <laughs> did, did you have any clue about the, the – I mean, obviously, you couldn't name a player on the no. team, but did you at least do some research to look and see how they'd done on like the international level? Yes, I, I had. They played pretty well against Australia. That women's team is historically pretty good. I think they only lost 3 nothing on that one first time out. Hey, get a couple goal lead, and then he sit on it. That was not the case, though, yesterday. 13 goals, and I saw there was uh, one of the offshores had a prop before would the U.S. team score in double digits, and it was like something like 60 or 70 to 1. Hope somebody cashed in on that one. That, that That's a juicy one. Don't think you're going to get that opportunity again, though, at that price. Well, you, you bet against America, you got what you deserve, Trent. True story. Biz, good stuff. It's been too long. Let's do it again soon. Sounds good. We'll uh, probably see you sometime in July. Sounds great. All right, go on.